Welcome to the Christian Faith Fellowship Church podcast. We are a church that believes in praying, going, and life-changing discipleship in Jesus. We are so glad you've joined in for this message. If you enjoy what you hear, follow us to stay connected with our future updates and podcasts. This is our guest speaker, Pastor Jim Petro from House on the Rock Church. Grab a Bible and a notebook and get ready to learn. Here we go. Let's stand to our feet, please. Again, I always like to do this before I minister because I want to honor the Lord. And what I like to do is get you to tell God why you're here today. So say this with me. Father, I'm here today to honor you. I give you my eyes, my ears, my heart, and my mind. And I boldly declare that today I will be changed by the word of God in Jesus' name. Shout somebody, tell somebody, you're going to be changed by the Word of God today. So this is a rowdy service. (laughs) Praise God. Such an honor to be here. I love your pastor. Uh, In fact, I told you the first service that I've been so close to him for so long. I asked him to be on our board of directors and uh, because I know he has a love for me, a love for our church, and he, he loves you guys. And I'm so honored. I'm so glad he's gotten away. I'm looking forward to that one of these days uh, to see his family. But uh, praise God. Put your hands out to me. We're going to come into agreement. Father, we agree in the name of Jesus that every word that proceeds from this pulpit is from your heart through my mouth. And I thank you, Lord. We're meeting the need of your people today. We come here to exhort, edify, and encourage each person in this room that we go out of here more alive, more on fire solid in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. Every year, so notice every service is going to be different, so I'll be be getting something a little bit. It's the same word, but a different application. Every year, toward the end of actually 2020, um, yeah, 2019, 2020, whatever, at the end of every year, I begin to pray. A lot of times I used to go in the woods, I called it uh, hunting with a gun or praying with a gun because I never really shot anything, but uh, I would go out in the woods and i pray because I want an emphasis. So I said, Lord, what is the vision that you have for our church, House on the Rock, for the upcoming year? So uh, at the end of 2020, I mean, it was an incredible year, actually 2019, I began to get this stirring about something was going to be going on in 2020. And the scriptures the Lord was giving me was, it says that your life is hid in Christ Jesus. A couple of scriptures down below that, it says that we are not to be setting our affections on the things on the earth, but on things above. The word also says, as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, we are not to be uh, entangled with the affairs of this life. That doesn't mean I'm not concerned. I'm glad you're praying for a government. They need our prayer. And uh, we need to understand that uh, we need to know what's going on, but we need not to be entangled with it. So at the end of 2019, the Spirit of God said, you know, begin to set your affections on things above. Don't be concerned about what's going on on the earth. 2020 comes, right? Look what we went through in 2020. At the end of 2020, I said, Lord, give me your emphasis, the word that I need to encourage my church vision-wise for the year 2021. So when I was praying, I envisioned the year 2020, 20, 20, 20, and then the word one. 
And as I began to pray for that, the Lord began to show me, I believe, that more than ever before in the year 2020 and the year 2021, we need to be number one at one with God. That comes through fellowship with God, prayer, reading the word, just spending time with God. Then we need to be one with ourselves. We cannot be divided within ourselves. And when you get into the word of God and you read the word of God, you have to make a choice whether you're going to receive that word, if you're going to believe that word, stand upon that word, no matter what's going on. And thirdly, we need to be one with each other, which meant the Lord saying there's going to be a division going on. Some people are not going to be coming to church out of fear or whatever. And so that comes, we need to be one with each other. We need to come to church and love each other. And so when I wanted to prepare for this message, it's a message I also delivered in my church, one of the biggest things that we had to deal with, three things that were going to attack our church, but the biggest one, first one was going to be fear, the second one was going to be anger, and the third was going to be division. Amen. So the Lord would have me teach you and my church about fear. So I want you to read with me in James chapter 1, I'll read verses 2 through 4. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall. We say fall. Fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may perfect and be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. If you're going to grow up, if you want to be mature in God, you're going to face what another translation says. You're going to face temptations. You're going to face tests, and you're going to face trials. And verse 3 tells us that those things are going to be the trying of your faith. In other words, it's going to prove your faith. You know, I'm originally from New Jersey. Our church is in Pennsylvania. And you probably remember the saying, you know, put up or shut up. So when you're going through a test, trial, temptation, you're either going to put up or shut up. And so when you are, have your faith being tried... That means it's being tested. And it says that if you are being tested in your faith, it's going to work patience in you and in, produce endurance. Amen. Between the prayer of request and the answer is what I call the patience bridge. And some of you may be on that bridge today. You've got to learn to be patient. You've got to learn to endure because it's building endurance and patience in you for the next test or trial or temptation you get. You've already been through stuff and has prepared you for a day such as today. I want to read to you the same verses we just read, but I'm going to read in the Amplified Bible, which will take the Greek words and may take several English words to address it. James chapter 1, verse 2, Amplified Bible. Consider it hopefully joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encountering trials of any sort, or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith brings out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. Amen. So what did we see in the year 2020? First of all, we saw fear. Fear over COVID. Fear over our government. Fear over wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Anger over having to wear a mask 
or angry with the people that aren't wearing a mask. Angry because I have to keep distance from even family members. Anger because my favorite restaurant was closed. Division over political choices. Division among some Christians who placed their confidence in Christian leaders, as I did, who prophesy certain things that never happened. I got a little disappointed. And division whether or not we should go to church or not. I told my church in 2021 that we had to be a church of one. One with God, one with ourselves, one with one another. We read James chapter 1, 1 through 4, because I want you to have a better understanding of what the Word of God says about one of the biggest things that we're dealing with today, even in the body of Christ, and that is fear. James chapter 1, verse 2 says that you will, as believers, face diverse temptations. You will face many types of temptations and trials and tests. We read in the Amplified Bible, it says, you will be enveloped in encountering trials of any sort and fall into temptations. And notice it says diverse or many types of temptations, tests, and trials, various temptations. We often think of temptations as the lure to commit sexual sin, the lure to cheat or to steal or be dishonest. But a lure is a lure. And we have to understand that when the Word of God says that you're going to fall into temptations, that you're going to face these lures, it means you're going to fall. Listen, nobody made the decision to be fearful. Nobody made the decision to be angry. Nobody made the decision to be divisive or be divided. We fell into it. The word fall means to fall into something that is all around to be surrounded with. Have you noticed that we're surrounded with a lot of bad news? We're surrounded with people talking on television, radio, Facebook, whatever, giving you things that cause you to be fearful. Listen, guys, the bottom line of all that's going on in this earth is to try to destroy the body of Christ. It may seem political, may seem medical, whatever, but the bottom line is to get Christians afraid so your faith will be shaken in what the Word of God says. So here's what I'm going to teach you today. Fear begins as a temptation. Say that with me. Fear begins as a temptation. In other words, you and I are surrounded with and circled by the temptation to fear. You see it. You hear it. You sense it. I've always said your feelings and your emotions are the worst indication of truth. You may feel it, you may see it, you may sense it, but it may not be true. Ain't necessarily so. Amen? I kind of said in the first service that, you know, people used to tell me, well, fear is uh, false evidence appearing real. Well, this is real. It's not make-believe. The things that we're facing are real, and we don't deny that. Now, some things that are contrary to the Word of God are not real. But what we're facing today in our lives today is real. So fear and anger start out as a temptation. Listen to James chapter 1 and verse 13. I know you know this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away 
of his own lust and enticed. That when lust hath conceived, it bring forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. So look at it this way. You receive a temptation. If you dwell on that temptation, if you continue to listen to things that amplify that temptation of fear, you're being enticed. You're being enticed to do something. Fear is going to produce something that the enemy wants you to do that would be considered sin. Now, you, you, you think of sexual sin. Starts out with lust, you get enticed, consummate that sin, and then is death. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen? Well, same thing with fear. Fear starts out as a temptation. But it, 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 it's a temptation. If you it, let it fester in you, if you listen to things that amplify that fear, it's going to cause you to do something that's going to be contrary to the Word of God. Amen? We read there that we're going to be tempted with all kinds of things. So fear and anger are not of God. Why? It says that God does not tempt us, right? So if fear and anger start as a temptation, how are you going to react to that temptation? In other words, there's a sequence to temptation. I need to realize that this temptation, first of all, is like a lust. And what we just read, lust is not of God. Temptation is not of God. Fear is not of God. I shared earlier that when I was going through a really tough time in my life, I had to get back and I, I, I started a notebook and I wrote everything down that talked about me, who I am in the eyes of God, who God says he is, and the truth about God. And what I found out was I stood as one scripture. I'd quoted over and over again, and I just quoted it. And I said that uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I would quote that over and over again, hoping I could deal with the fear. And the spirit of God one day stopped me when I said, God has not given me the spirit of fear. And when I went to go on, I was like, I got to stop. So I kept repeating, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Amen. Say it. God has not given me the spirit of fear. Well, then who gave it to me? Yeah, yeah, you say, well, the devil, yeah, the devil too. But you are being enticed. You are being, you're lusting on this fear and you're entertaining it and you're listening to it. You're talking about it to your friends. Oh, the government's going down the tubes. Oh, COVID's killing everybody. Oh, the world, blah, blah, blah. And you just keep amplifying that. What are you doing? You're being enticed to fear. And God did not give me this. And I was angry enough to say no more. Because if it's not from God, it's either coming from me doing something wrong or it's definitely coming from the devil and I'm not going to put up with it. Amen. See, lust is an unholy feeling. Fear and anger are not of God, so it's something unholy. Say, fear is unholy. These are your feelings and these are your emotions. And folks, your emotions and your feelings have been programmed over your lifetime. It's by what you have experienced and it's by what you have taught, been taught. Now, growing up in my home, I was left alone a lot. I have two other brothers and a sister. And either if my older sister was around, we always had babysitters. My mom, you know, found us out later, kind of broke my heart. My dad would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and work till about 5 my mom would go to work at two, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So my mom and dad, I never saw my mom and dad together. And it wasn't until later in my mom's life that it broke my heart so I couldn't stand being around your father. 
That's the kind of home I was brought up in. And my father was angry, and so I was, he was a big guy. And I was kind of afraid of him. So I grew up experiencing fear of authority figures. I didn't know what love was. And so anytime somebody said something to me in a certain way, these are triggers, and it would trigger fear in me. And if I, because of my past. Totally unrelated to kind of what I'm talking, but related to what I'm talking about. Somebody said, well, I can't come to church because I have pre-existing conditions. I understand that. But I had a reminder what her pre-existing condition was. Lost. Apart from God. Unprotected. Unprovided for. Now you're a child of God. I understand. But don't let fear overcome you. You want to exercise caution, that's fine. But don't talk like that. Because that you have learned, you have been taught, you've been told things in the news, you've been told things, and it's been in your head. And so you're, what are you doing? You are entertaining the spirit of fear. You are entertaining the temptation to be afraid. Amen. So why are some of you experiencing fear? So let me define fear for you according to the dictionary. Anxiety. A lot of you can relate to that. Caused by a real or possible danger or pain to expect the worst. So let me tell you how fear works. It's a temptation. It's a thought placed in your mind. It's something you heard on the news. It's something that somebody else says. And you relate it to your past. And so it produces fear in you. So the question is, what do you do with the fear that's in you? If fear is the anxiety caused by a real or possible danger and to expect the worst, I'll tell you what we do as human beings. We get the beginning of the movie and we write our own ending. Based on your past. Well, I have this fear that, you know, my marriage isn't going to make it. So you have this fear. And so my aunt, somebody, or my uncle, they went through a divorce. So I'm going to go through a divorce. Who said, who said that? How do you know that? Well, so-and-so I know had got this disease, and they had the same symptoms I have, and they died. Well, who said you're going to die? We have the, 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 see, the temptation of fear is for you to, to do the, now you, what do you do? You start enticed, you're enticed by it. And the enemy starts playing out the end, or you start playing out the end based on your past. Possible. Anxiety caused by a real or possible danger. Possible is not probable. It just means it's possible. We get the thought of fear by what we see, by what we hear. Then we have things that trigger an emotional response or feeling based upon my past experience or what other people say. I said this in the first service. I get people mad. Because the Bible tells me in one of the many scriptures I memorized is Psalm 1. Blessed is a man that walks not according to the counsel of the ungodly. Who has talked to you? Who has counseled you? And so I'm not being counseled. If you're turning the news on, you're being counseled. If you're listening to people that are unsaved, that are giving you all the bad news, you're being counseled. And I'm tempted to say to these people, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because if you don't, you do not have the Spirit of God abiding in you. And if you don't have the Spirit of God abiding in you, the voice you hear is not the voice of God. And if that's the voice you're listening to, I ain't listening to you. 
So I can either be enticed by that person, I can entertain that thought, I say, uh, uh, no. Blessed is a man that walks not according to the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor is seated in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it doth he meditate day and night, daytime, nighttime, good times, bad times. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and he shall bear fruit in his season, and all that he sets his hand to do will prosper. That's what I'm going to listen to. Amen? So the things you feel, the things you see, whatever, they are stimuli. And the stimulus and what you do with it is the key. Because James 1 verse 15 says, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. Now, lust, it's a, it's a temptation. What are you going to do with it? If you're enticed by it. Man, some people just like negative news. And they love just to give you the bad news. You know? Excuse me, when it's like somebody passes gas and it, it stinks. They leave and it still stinks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes that's the only way to get through to people, just tell them the truth. <laughs> well, not me, no. So they, they dump on you and then they leave. And you're left with the stink of what they said. That's enticing it. You know, the Word of God says where there's no wood, the fire goes out. So if someone tries to dump on you, say, hey, my name's not, I'm not a piece of log. I'm not a piece of wood for you. All right? So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Amen? The lust, the temptation of fear, the unholy thing is a temptation. We all experience it. You will experience fear, but it's a temptation. It's like, you know, when you go fishing, you put bait on the hook and you dangle out in front. You know, the enemy knows you. I always say, you never bait a mousetrap with broccoli. <laughs> the devil knows exactly what's going to set you off. He knows exactly what's going to make you afraid. He knew I was afraid of authority figures, so there was always authority figures coming against me. I had a very poor self-image. I was very shy, withdrawn. And when people would say negative things about me... I, Still every now and then, you know, your pastor knows and I know, we've been taught well, that you can stand up here and you can preach an incredible message. A hundred people can come up and say, oh, pastor, my life was changed by your message. And then as you go out the door, some lady goes, man, that really stunk. <laughs> Guess what I'm going to be thinking about? <laughs> That's the way we are wired. But when you know who you are in Jesus Christ, the accuser of the brethren cannot accuse you. Amen. So when I get this feeling of fear, and you will get them, what do I do with it? Glad you asked. Proverbs chapter 3. You know, the Word of God gives every answer to every question, every problem. All right? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25. Be not afraid of sudden fear. So the Bible's telling you, you're going to face fear, but you're not to be afraid of it. Now, what does that mean? I'll explain in a minute. Let's finish the scripture. Neither the desolation of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord shall be thy confidence, shall keep thy foot from being taken. Be not afraid of sudden fear. So the writer of Proverbs, the wisdom of God, the spirit of God speaking through the one who wrote the proverb, says, be not afraid of sudden fear, which means I'm going to be faced with sudden fear. Now, let me qualify this, as I said in the first service. If you're standing out on the highway and you see a truck coming for you, and all of a sudden you feel fear, 
in the name of Jesus, I shall not be squashed. Or you see a snake go across your path and it makes you, your, your body produces a type of fear that says to your legs, move. Jim, Buck, get out of here, get out of there. Yeah, that's good fear. But this type of fear is by what you feel, what you see, what you hear, all this negative stuff. That's what he's talking about here. Be not afraid of sudden fear. That's interesting. Amplified says, be not afraid of sudden terror or pain. Because you will experience a temptation of fear. But what do you do with it? Sudden fear. It means instant fear. It's what you see, what you hear, what you feel instantly. You ever have somebody say something and you just feel that fear come up? Fear, alarm, or dread. But here's the difference. Be not afraid of sudden fear. In other words, you're going to get the temptation or something's going to happen that's going to make you afraid. That's a sudden fear. But what does it say? Be not afraid. See, when you get the temptation to fear and you dwell on it, it's going to cause you to do something else. I'm not going to church. I'm afraid. I'm not talking to people anymore because they hurt me. I'm going to die because a doctor gave me this prognosis. See, you went from a temptation of fear to now you're afraid. And being afraid is the opposite of trust and faith in the almighty God who loves us. Amen? Be not afraid of sudden fear. Now, I use the example in the first service. I'll use it again. We, my wife and I have a nice home. We have four dogs at the time. And what, we have an alarm in our house. We set it at night. Um, I guess if somebody breaks in the house, whatever. In fact, you reminded me after I told the story that I don't know who that guy was that killed a Pennsylvania State Trooper. But he was loose in the Poconos, and, you know, we don't live too far from the Poconos. And so we, you know, we had our alarm set, and uh, in the middle of the night at 1 o'clock in the morning, the alarm went off. That's sudden fear. Now, what did I do with that? Because of my past and because what I've learned, this guy's in my house. He's going to kill us. We're going to die. I actually didn't do that, but the, the, the thought's there. See how sudden fear works? The alarm goes off, my heart's beating, and, I'm, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm saying the word of God to myself. And I'm reminding myself, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. So I went downstairs, the door was ajar. In fact, the police showed up anyway, because they knew this guy was on a the loose. They just wanted to make sure. So we walked through our house, and, you know, we're all fine. I knew who I was, and, you know, we're fine. But do you see how that works? An alarm goes off. Somebody says something to you. You see something in the news. Another person says something to you. And it produces what your body has been taught for it to produce. You knew somebody that died of this, COVID or whatever. So you're immediately thinking, now I'm afraid. Of what? See, that temptation to fear now is ending this story that you wrote that may not even be the end. Are you getting what I'm saying? We all do that. So we're not to be afraid of sudden fear. Now, I've been taught... And I've listened to, and on a consistent basis, the Word of God. So when that sudden fear comes, I want to go suddenly to what the Word of God says. Because that fear, even the anger, will start out as a temptation. Here's the question. How are you going to handle it? What are you going to do with the feeling? What are you going to do with that temptation that's not of God? And guess what? Proverbs 3, 26, I gave you the answer. It says this, For the Lord shall be thy confidence... 
Know what a lack of confidence is? Fear. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So no matter what that temptation is telling me, I am now going to quote the word of God. I have confidence in God, and I know my foot will not be taken. It gives me the answer. So rather than give in to the temptation to fear and become afraid, because that's the next step, rather than dreading the worst of what you've heard, what you've listened to, I decide to trust God. That's called faith. Faith doesn't need evidence. Faith itself is evidence. God's word said it. You know, I saw the bumper sticker. God's word said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's wrong. God's word said it. That settles it. Whether you believe it or not. It's your choice. A whole life is choices. Do you believe God or you don't believe God? Amen? So what do we see now? I have a life to live. I choose to live a life of faith or a life of fear. The just, four times in the word of God, the just shall live by faith. The actual translation of that is the just shall live a life of faith. I tell my congregation all the time, life is a test. I got saved. Lord, let's go to heaven. I'm done. No. Now is the test. You're being proven. God's going to show you you can defeat any enemy that comes against you. So you have to choose. Do I live the life of faith? Do I live the life of fear? Because fear is just a lack of faith. Amen? So one of the things that we had to face is COVID. Am I afraid of COVID? Not really. Now, I came from the medical field. I know the pros and the cons of this stuff. It's real. And so do you wear a mask? I'm going to get people upset. You know why I wear a mask? Because the Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So if I wear a mask, I found out I get people angry. But if I don't wear a mask, I get a lot more people angry. And I'd rather be at peace with you, whatever. Amen? Amen. Same thing, church. I was stunned. Men and women who I thought were people of faith do not go to church because they're afraid of contracting covid but they go to Walmart. And they go to ShopRite. And they go to Weiss. And they go to Home Depot. And they go to Lowe's. Where they're being exposed by more and more different people all the time. When you come to church, it's Bill. It's Harry. It's Bob. It's the people you know. And if they're sick, they're wise enough, they'll stay home. So I'm going to cut. So what happened was I found people divided. Well, I'm going to church. I am going to church. And I got people mad because I said, they're watching me online, just like people watching me online now. And if you get mad, well, I don't feel safe going to church. That's your pride. That's your freedom. That's your right. But I'm telling you, don't give in to the temptation of fear. Because fear causes division. And I, it, it, it caused a lot of division in our church. I got people mad because they don't wear a mask. People aren't wearing masks. And I got people mad because they are wearing masks. Let people make up their own mind. You make up your own mind. And you know what? You get mad at me, you get mad at me. But follow peace with all men. And so I'll follow peace as much as I can anyway, right? Now, fear of COVID, fear of going to church. Now, is it important that we go to church? No, I'm a pastor. Of course I want you to go to church. But this is a guy that didn't go to church. 
This is a guy that thought that, you know, God's my God. I worship God in the woods. and I don't need to be around other people. Until I found out that's absolutely wrong. In the Bible, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Right? How about this one? Well, I'm afraid of dying, of getting COVID, whatever. Well, you know what? Listen to what James chapter 5, 14 and 15 says. Are there any sick among you? I like to put it there. Is anybody around you afraid? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I said, the oil's emblematic. The laying on of hands is emblematic. In other words, it stands for something else. But listen to what it says here. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I want somebody praying over me that prays in faith. Now, the prayer of faith, I looked that up. It's found nowhere else in the Bible, and here's what it means. Ready? Let me find it. It's declaring what God says is truth. It's declaring. And actually, what it says is you're actually demanding that God's not demanding God. I'm demanding the enemy. That God, what God says about it is truth. And that's what heals the sick. By Jesus' stripes you have been healed. The chastisement for your peace was upon Jesus, and by your stripes you are healed. That's what I'm declaring what God's word says over you. That's what the prayer of faith means. I don't want people praying over me. Oh, God, if you want to, maybe. If it's possible, if they're good enough, maybe. Man, don't pray for me. I want somebody coming on. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I declare and decree in the name of Jesus that the chastisement for your peace was upon Jesus, and by his stripes you are healed. I want somebody praying for me like that. Amen. Hallelujah. So even Jesus faced the temptation of fear. Now, Jesus is human. He has to be, because if 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 he was human and sinless, then he can take upon the sin of the world. So he has to be human. He gave up his deity. He goes into the wilderness after he is baptized. And he goes into the wilderness. I believe he's going, if he's a man, he's going to ask for the will of God for his life. He's a human. And he decides that he's going to fast, which means he puts his flesh second so he can hear God first. So when he goes out in the wilderness, just like we would, he fasts for 40 days, and he is hungry. When you guys leave here today, you're going to be hungry. Now imagine if you had no money, and you have no food in your home, and and, and neither do you see any in the future. What is your fear going to be? You're going to starve to death, and you're going to die. So Jesus is out there in the wilderness. There's no stores out there. There's no provision out there. In fact, there's very few animals out there. And he's at the point where he's basically starving. And you don't think he's not attacked with fear. See, people think the devil appears to him, you know, with horns and spiny skin and, and, uh, you know, no, no, no. The devil attacks with thoughts. And I can guarantee you, if he was a human being, and he was, he goes out there and he's probably thinking, I am very hungry. I wonder if I'm going to make it. How am I going to hear the word, what God is going to give me, what I'm going to do if I'm going to starve to death? I may be too weak to make it even out of the wilderness. So what does he do? He cries. No. He declares the word of God. He takes out the sword of the spirit, 
which is the spoken word of God. And it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, if that wasn't enough, I don't like heights. The devil takes Jesus to the highest point that was in that area. I wanted to take you up to the Empire State Building, okay? That's a little farther up, higher, whatever. But to take you in a high place. And I want you standing right on the ledge, knowing if you're human, thinking like a human, like Jesus was, he knows people have fallen off cliffs and died. You don't go in high places. Some people fall up and die. That thought is going through him. This devil could push me off. I could die. But he chooses to believe God. And he worships God only. He dealt with the temptation of fear. But he didn't allow it to progress to being afraid. He spoke the word of God. Amen? The devil is going to do the same thing to you. Life's going to do the same thing to you. Oh, so many people are dying from this, and I'm going to die from it. And our country's going down the tubes. We're becoming so evil. And uh, I'm not going to church anymore because where's God? See, the temptation is going to make you say something stupid or do something right. So what were you going to do with the temptation of fear today? Hmm? Don't give in to the temptation, but resist it with the sword of the Holy Spirit, which is a spoken word of God. Amen. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked. Here it is. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Be not afraid, but trust, rely, and cling to the Lord. And that's what believing in Jesus is all about. Have faith. Faith is tested. Fear is testing you. Are you going to be enticed by it? Are you going to entertain it? Pastor Tom and I went to the same church for a while years ago. And my pastor used to declare to do not believe in the gospel of escapism. You know what the gospel of escapism is? Nothing is ever going to happen to me. I'm never going to be sick. I came from a scientific medical background, okay? If you are healed, what does that mean? You were sick. But you got healed. I believe in divine health. But if I do get sick, I will be healed. Right? The, the, the gospel of escapism, you'll never have test trials and temptation. That's contrary to the word of God. You will be tested. I used to say this to my congregation all the time. When things start happening in your life, go like this. You know the, the emergency broadcast signal on the radios? What do they tell you? This is just a test. So when you start getting afraid or you start getting angry, you feel like you're not going to church anymore or, or something you know is coming against the word of God, you got to hear, this is a test. Not of the emergency broadcast system, but of your faith. Do you believe what God says? Or do you believe what your body's telling you? So today, prove your faith. When you hear things that make you afraid, okay. But be not afraid. Afraid is the next step. Fear will come. But I'm not going to be afraid. But that doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. 
Fear is the temptation. Afraid is it settles in you. And now you're going to do something stupid, like not go to church or get angry at other people because you're afraid. And let me tell you, people do stupid things when they're afraid, don't they? What happens when you're afraid? You get ulcers. You get sick. Again, coming from the medical field, I can tell you, we used to say 75 to 85% of diseases are either aggravated or caused by stress. The devil knows what he's doing. He ain't stupid. He's been around since the beginning of time. He knows what's going to stress you out. I know what tools he uses against me. Every time I have somebody, and people leave the church every day, don't they? They get angry at something else. Because I was kind of abandoned as a child, even though I had parents, every time somebody leaves a church, I feel that they have abandoned me. Man, I have to fight that. Because that is a temptation of fear. And I have to say, you know what? That's your choice. But I'm still going to preach the word of God. And Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. And the Holy Spirit has taken evidence, taken resonance in me, and the Father loves me. Amen. Amen? So, folks, don't go from the temptation of fear to being afraid. So say this. Father, I thank you that fear is not of you. It's a temptation. And I will not give in. I will not be afraid of sudden fear. But I'll say with confidence... God will not allow me to be hurt or my foot to be taken in Jesus' name. Every head bow, every eye closed. I have a scripture verse I stand on. It says, and I, I make it personal. I will hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore, I will dwell safely and be quiet from the fear of evil. I will hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Well, here's the bad news. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you can't hear his voice. The only voice you're going to hear is get saved. Come to me, all you who are laboring, heavy laden. You're not going to hear the voice of Jesus if Jesus is not your Lord. I come from a very practical standpoint when it comes to the gospel and Jesus. When you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it doesn't mean you have to dress any differently, that you have to talk any differently, you know, no foul words, but you, you're not going to develop some super language like thou, thee, and all that. It doesn't mean you have to walk around with the Bible and, and be snobby. And No, you become real. Jesus was real. And you begin to have your eyes open to the truth, which is the word of God. But you've got to let Jesus in. You know, when you see the picture of Jesus knocking on the door, there's no handle on his side. It's on your side. You just got to let him in. So I'm talking to some of you today. You have fear. And you have anxiety and you have worry. And God's real and he loves you. He wants to deliver you from that. It doesn't mean you're not going to face it, but you won't be alone. Jesus is real. So if you're sitting here and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, he went to the cross bearing your punishment. And to not acknowledge that is sin. You can't stand before God and say, Lord, I did this and I did that. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, not of works lest any man should boast. If you're here today, it's the grace of God. It's a gift I'm offering you today. Salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And peace in the midst of chaos confidence instead of fear.
So if you're here today and you've never opened your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with us. Some of you need to pray it because you walked away from the Lord. But pray this with me, everybody. Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. But I'm so thankful that Jesus died on the cross bearing my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. I give you my heart today. I want to be saved. I want to have confidence. I don't want to have fear, but I want your joy and your peace. Today I surrender to you. Jesus, today I make you the Lord of my life. I open my heart to you and I invite you in. Because your Bible says so, I am saved by the blood of Jesus. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to the Lord because you walked away, when I count to three, would you be bold enough to raise your hand? Because the Bible says, if you're, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father and his angels in heaven. Raising of your hand is a confession that Jesus Christ is now your Lord. So when I count the three, if you just open your heart to Jesus and you let him in, or you walked away and you say, Lord, I'm coming back. When I count the three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, count to five real slow and put it down. Ready? One, two, three. Lift up your hand. That's me, Jesus. Thank you. Now I see hands raised. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's going to come to your seat, I believe, give you some information. Don't walk out of here without it because you need to read it and be confident in this decision that you made. You can still raise your hand. Pastor, you mean if I don't raise my hand, I'm not safe? No. But like me, you'll always remember, always wonder if you meant what you said. By raising your hand, you're, you're going to remember this date. April 11th, 2021, I gave my heart to Jesus. You know, it's cool. No matter how you feel, no matter what fear who you are, Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. But you've got to let him in. Got to let him in. a second altar call. I wouldn't be teaching this message today if the Lord didn't know there's some people in here that are fearful. We all deal with fear. What you do with the fear is what I've taught you today. If you're dealing with fear, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with depression, the Spirit of God wants to heal you today. But you've got to make the decision, I'm not going to dwell on this anymore, and I'm going to trust your word, Lord God. But I believe there can be a supernatural touch from God that can alleviate this today. Then the rest of it's up to you. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but if I'm talking to you, I want you to do some type of gesture, either open your hands up or just look up or do something, and I'm going to pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I speak to these foul spirits of fear, anxiety, and depression. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to take your hands off my brother and sister. They have been given a weapon today. They may face fear, but it's a temptation, and it's of you, devil. It's of my past, but I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I will not entertain you. I will not listen to you. I will not listen to talking heads. They're not of God. And I'm not going to be fearful. And when I feel that sudden fear, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to confess the word of God. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, give them boldness to stand on your word. I rebuke these foul spirits, these emotions and feelings that are crippling your people. In the name of Jesus, be thou removed and cast in the sea in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout and clap our hands. Father, we praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. I love you. I have a little humor point for you. That's my uncle in the spirit right there. <laughs> I'm really blessed by that. Thank you, Pastor Jim. What a great word. So, since it was such an awesome word, and I don't know about you, but if you bear witness with me, and I pray that you do, that was a word that was much needed today right now in this time in this place that we're at and because of that I have a great pleasure right now because we're going to take a love offering for Pastor Jim because of the work that he does for the ministry and you can give either cash or if you're going to give by check write the check to CFFC or you can give online at cffchurch.org. There's a tab. You can just pull it down. It says guest speaker, and you can give through that. But I want to share this with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I was doing a devotional this morning, and it really jumped out at me. In verse 14, it says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. Well, if you're like me right now, I can say that man of God just preached the gospel in a way that we all heard it. So as the ushers come forward now, we're going to go ahead and give the love offering. If you need a love offering envelope, they have them in their hand. You can just raise your hand. And I just want to say a few things here real quick while they're going ahead and taking this offering. First of all, I want to be able to go ahead and push this whole teen fundraiser thing. This is really an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to see our teens get out there. And they always come back with something special. We have a real awesome group of teens in this house, and they love to serve the Lord. So let's try to encourage them and give into that. And of course, like Brandy said, husbands, fathers, all that good stuff, sons, be a hero, get a flower. It's a good thing to do. Um, I also just want to say this to you. You know, I was sitting here as Pastor Jim was teaching. I had something I could say first service, but something else hit me today. A number of years ago, I went and had tests done. I had a beautiful bride that always insisted, go get a physical. I hated going to get a physical. I still do because every time I would spend the money for a physical and the doctor would say, you're in good physical health. And I'd be like, wow, that cost me that amount of money to hear you say you're in good physical health. But this one time I went and he says, boy, I've been looking at your family history 
I don't know if anybody's ever heard this statement before. Oh, your grandparents had cancer, your uncles had cancer, your aunts had cancer, your sister had cancer, your brother had cancer, your father had cancer, your mother had cancer. You're predisposed to cancer. And something welled up inside of me, and I looked at him, I said, Doctor, I love you. And I know you're a Christian man, so I don't know why you're listening to the devil. And he was like, what? And I said, not me. You must be thinking about somebody else. Now, I have to tell you something, okay? The devil doesn't give up, Pastor Jim. You were right on that. He doesn't give up. A few years later, I get this big envelope in the mail. I haven't been in the Marine Corps since 1979. I get an envelope from headquarters Marine Corps, the office of the Commandant. The water at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, is contaminated with carcinogens and they're cancer causing and you were there. And I'm like, huh, okay, must be somebody else you're talking to. I'm not going to allow it, why? No predisposition to fear. I stood up against it, and I have to tell you something right now. I, I keep saying to people, you know, it's almost scary. I'm so healthy. I think my body's still going to be walking around five years after I go home to the Lord. You know, because it's like the doctor keeps looking at me and going, there's nothing going on with you. And I'm like, hey, that's an awesome thing. I'm sorry that I'm not paying into your finances. But see, it's a decision. Again, just like Pastor Jim said, it's a decision. Either we're going to decide to listen to the Lord and his blessing, or we're going to fall to fear and the temptation of it. So thank you for that affirmation. That's two good ones that you gave me today. Thank you. And I just want to pronounce a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And I just want to remind you that we are blessed. We are highly favored. We are deeply loved. And we are greatly blessed by the Lord. And now as I send you forth... I send you forth as a blessing to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless everybody. Have an awesome Sunday.